battle for the Dallas Metroplex is heating up and you might argue that the upcoming showdowns between TCU and SMU haven't been this important in years. Hello, it's Wednesday, June 15th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm Brandon Marcello. Sonny Dykes led SMU to some new heights in recent years, but he slowly drifted north across the Dallas North Tollway to take the TCU gig in the Northern Metroplex. SMU didn't take long to find his replacement and former pupil Rhett Lashley, who was the OC at SMU early in Sonny Dykes' career there. The Miami offensive coordinator now takes over an SMU program with back-to-back wins in the battle for the Iron Skillet for the first time since the early 1990s. And now we're in a period of transition for TCU and SMU, even if they're not moving from conference to conference like some other teams in the state. TCU is aching to take over the top spot in the Big 12 when Oklahoma and Texas leave for the SEC. Meanwhile, SMU, which tried to jump into the Big 12, remains in the AAC, where the conference now loses arguably its three strongest programs in UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston to the Big 12 in 2023. I chatted with Rhett Lashley to discuss the future of the program SMU, the crosstown rivalry with TCU and his former mentor in Sonny Dykes, and what he expects in season one in a conversation we had earlier this spring. I want to talk about the future of SMU. I mean, obviously, SMU's had a lot of success, including when you were there as offensive coordinator. You know, the previous regime under Sonny Dykes, I think it was uh, the most successful four-year tenure since the 80s. And we know what those those Pony Express teams look like. So how do you kind of keep that going? How do you take the next step? What is the, I guess, the immediate future for SMU look like? What are your hopes and dreams? Yeah, we got a great schedule that just got released last week. We don't we don't have many easy ones on there, but it's going to be exciting. We want to play good people. And I think Sonny deserves a lot of credit. He did a really good job here over his four years. I'm always grateful to him. He brought me here uh, to BDOC in 2018, and if he hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to be here as the head coach now. And so he gave me the opportunity to come in here and run the offense. And you know, our second year, we we won ten games and hadn't done that since 1984. To your point, and you know, we got the. The, the Dallas's football team and the Pony Up Dallas and all the, the marketing kind of off and running. And, uh, and Sonny did a fantastic job. I went down to Miami, but they still won, I think, seven games the COVID year, won eight games last year. And I think there's just been a good foundation now built of winning over the last three years. You know, you win 10, seven, and eight games. And I don't think people realize that, you know, when the NCAA decided to, to – to shell out the worst penalty they've ever given anybody, and they've never done it again for a reason. It didn't just cost SMU a year or two of football. It cost SMU a generation of fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it cost. It, it created a twenty-five to thirty-year recovery situation. And um, I think all the coaches before, you know, you think of Forrest Gregg, who who brought them out of you know the probation period, and then you go. There was a few more coaches in there, and then you had you know Phil Bennett. And you had June Jones, you had Chad Morris, and then Sonny. I think every coach has done a little bit to just make SMU a little bit better, a little bit better. And, you know, I'm fortunate now to be in a position to hope to continue to carry on um, the trajectory of the program uh, at a time where those guys have all made it better for us now than it was just 10 years ago. And, um, you know, look, SMU is an incredible place. It's a great university right in the heart of Dallas. It's an incredible city. We have a recruiting base just in the in the in the metroplex much less the state of texas it's a great transfer destination in the portal there's a lot of things going our direction and we've been winning we've got a three-year-old brand new indoor facility we just announced we're building a hundred million dollar football ops end zone facility we've already been given 50 million dollars of that and a gift and so 
I think that there's just a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement um, because there's great alignment in our program right now. And I've always said, you know, it's really, really hard to build something. It's hard to build a foundation. And I think that's what those coaches and specifically Sonny over the last few years have been able to do. And I feel fortunate to have been here and be a part of a few of those years. Now we have the hard challenge of, you know, trying to sustain it and, and maybe even take it to another level. And, you know, you got a great foundation. Now you got to put some frames up on the house and, and it's hard. You know, the one thing we haven't done still um, since those great t- teams in the eighties is, is win the championship. And so, you know, we're in a great league. Cincinnati just played for the, uh, for the playoff and, you know, they're the reigning champ coming back next year. But I think that's, you know, we got to continue our momentum in recruiting. We got to continue our winning ways. And, and, and I think winning's a habit that our guys have learned here, but we've got to find a way to, to break through and win a championship. And I think that's the goal. You got your quarterback, Tanner Mordecai coming back. I know you got some pieces you got to fill out uh, at receiver, but yeah, I think you've done that in the transfer portal. I don't even know if, what you could talk about there, but how do you feel about the returning pieces you have on offense and defense? Yeah. You know, we lost a couple of veteran guys on defense that were really good players. Uh, all the linebackers were gone and they played a lot of, a lot of football, Delano Robinson, Shane Haley. Uh, we, lost safety in Trevor Denbo and some other good players, but we, we returned some good players on defense. We brought in some transfer linebackers I think can help. We've still got a few more pieces I think we can bring in, in the transfer world on defense. Offensively, lost a lot of firepower. You know, I mean, you look at Reggie Roberson who I got to coach here when I was here, and, and Danny Gray, two receivers that, that qualified uh, got invited to the Senior Bowl, are going to the Combine. That's a lot of production out the door. You've got Grant Calcaterra, the same situation at tight end. That's a lot of production, and then we had a lot of experienced O-linemen that, that were playing on last year's teams that were playing when I was here. That's how old they were. Uh, lost three or four of those guys. So um, offensively, you know, we've had to to try to retool, like you said, at the receiver position, some depth. We've got a couple good returning players like Rasheed Rice and, and Jordan Curley and some other guys. And, and we got a running back and Ulysses Bentley. But we have, you know, we got Bo Corrales from North Carolina. We've got a couple other transfer wideouts I think are coming that we probably need to fill a few holes still uh, for depth up front. But to your point, uh, we do have the one thing that you can't win in college football without, and that's good quarterback play. And you know, Tanner Mordecai had a fantastic year last year, so we're fortunate to have him coming back. We're fortunate to have a freshman in Preston Stone, who's the highest rated player to ever come to SMU. So we got two quarterbacks we feel like we can win with. And if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And so having those guys allows us to spend time trying to fill those holes so we don't miss a beat on offense. More from our conversation with Rhett Lashley after this. How, how have you... Uh... Has your philosophy just as an on-field coach changed over the years since you know you you became a on-field coach for the first time uh, back at Samford? Yeah, I don't know about the core base principles. You know, I still I still believe you got to be a balanced team to win. You know, you gotta you gotta throw it, you gotta run it, you gotta do the simple things. I think in this day and age, it's it's funny. The, the probably the number one stat in college football is if you win the turnover battle and you win the explosive plays, you're going to win like 97 percent of the time, and you keep it that simple. And you know, I learned a lot of things from Gus over the years and other coaches I've been around. That was kind of the core of who I am, and you know, believe in toughness and physicality and playing with tempo and this and that. But I think probably the two things that that I've maybe evolved or changed the most is I, I just think it's all about relationships with your players. And Pat Dye used to always say this at Auburn. You can coach them as hard as you're willing to love them. And that's true. That's true. That's always been true. Probably early on in my coaching career, I was really hard. You know, my coaches were hard on me and demanding and a lot of yelling. And that's what I knew. And I learned that, you know, you can coach them. And there's times that you get intense. 
intense and I can get pretty intense, but I think having a real relationships with those guys, once they know how much you care about them, then you can really hold them accountable. And, and it's, it's almost a little bit more of the model like they have in the NFL. Like it's look, I am the coach, but there's gotta be some peer relationship for them to really trust you nowadays. I think too, with the transfer world, it's, it's probably more important than ever. So I think that part of just how I interact with the players changed. I think philosophically, probably about 2018 when I came here, uh, really kind of decided, you know what, I, I'm going to go back to playing really, really fast, which is what we did when I played for Gus originally. And uh, so we did. We started trying to play fast here at SMU and at Miami. And we're only going to play as fast as our quarterback needs to. And we're not going to try to be the fastest team in the country every year, although we've been pretty fast most years, the last several years. But I just feel like that's an advantage. We're going to throw the football deep. We're going to try to be explosive. You know, nobody wins anymore just trying to manage the ball right down the field. And there's plenty of games you got to find different ways to win, and we got to be able to do that. But we're going to be aggressive. We're going to play fast. We want to, I want to be aggressive on both sides of the ball. And I think just that's when it kind of shifted is, you know, you don't have to be perfect. Trust your players, be aggressive, do what they can do and let them go play and, and don't try to be perfect. And that's that's really helped me over the last probably three or four years. Is it strange to think that, you know, your first year as a head coach, uh, I just briefly glanced at the schedule, you're going to be coaching against two of your former bosses and um, and one, of course, being your, your mentor all the way back in his days at, in high school with Gus Malzahn and Sonny Dykes. Yeah, it is weird. You know, I mean, that's that's how coaching goes, though. It's, it's crazy. I think I've coached against every team uh, with the exception of Miami now. I think I've coached against every team I've ever worked at at some point. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like that. I, I have too much. I have a lot of respect for Sonny Dykes. Like I said, what he did for me. I don't I don't like that we're going to have to coach against each other, but it's, hey, we're competitors and we both got teams. It just so happens to be we're at each other's rivals now. Where's you know, the iron uh, skillet, by the way? Do you have the iron skillet? I do. It's, it's sitting over there on the, on the, on the <laughs> counter. But uh, that'll be a big game, you know, in the Metroplex like it is every year. And at the end of the day, it's going to be because it's SMU versus TCU, not because me or Sonny or anything else. SMU versus TCU is, has been a big game since 1915. So, and, you know, and then and going down to Central Florida, that's actually our first conference game, our first road game. That's going to be weird. You know, I have gone against Gus one time as a player. You might have been there. I and, was there, yeah. Uh, Razorback Stadium, and and I, it didn't go well for me. I tore my shoulder up. So uh, I'm 0-1 against him that way. But, uh, you know, again, have a lot of respect for him. You know, when those games start, all that goes out the window. But there's, yeah, you'd be you'd be naive to say there's not some some added kind of just emotion to those things. But I think it's because those two have had such an impact on me, and I have so much respect for them. When did you realize you wanted to be a coach? Because I, I know um, – you know, after after college, I think you worked. Uh, you did some marketing. You started yeah. up a high school magazine in Arkansas. Um, I'm sure you saw coaching your blood. I guess just here, real quick, kind of. When did you realize I want to be a coach and maybe a head coach someday? Or was head coach ever really in your mind? I actually realized I wanted to be a coach when I was like eight or nine years old. And um, my dad, who had been a high school coach, wasn't anymore, was a businessman in Springdale, Arkansas, was coaching my little Kiwanis kids teams. And I'd go play. He'd coach me. We'd go. I was a big Joe Montana fan. He was in the heyday with the Niners. I'd watch him. I love Bill Walsh. I just wanted to be a coach. And then I played. And so then all I thought about was playing. And then that career ended and I GA at Arkansas in 06 with, with Houston Nutt and Gus. I thought, this is it. I'm coaching. And then uh, when Gus went to Tulsa, I was going to Tulsa with him. Long story short, I didn't go and, and pretty much ended my coaching career by not going at that point. All signs would point to that. And I did. I started a, a marketing company and a magazine with my brother-in-law there out of Northwest Arkansas for about 22 months. And about six months into it, and it was good. It was fun to do something different. And we did fine. It, it probably wasn't a, um, a long-term career, but about six months into it, I knew, you know, I, I can't, I got to coach. And and honestly, I was about to, uh, Chris Wood, another one of my high school coaches, was the head coach at Harbor High School, still is in Springdale. And I'd already talked to him about, you know, hey, after this year, I may 
how do I get certified to, to come be your OC at, at Harbor? And I was just going to coach high school just because I felt like that's what I was called to do. And Gus got the job down at Auburn and, and he called me and said, do you want back in? I said, yes. And, and I was in the rest is history. And I, this just sounds weird. I, I never really felt like I was going to be an offensive coordinator or a play caller. I, I did always, for some reason, see myself as a head coach. That sounds weird. But there's processes you go through, obviously, and, you know, spending, I think it was 11 years or, or maybe 12 as an OC, hopefully it's prepared me for this opportunity. And, you know, I think it's uh, it's what I feel called to do, leading our kids, leading a staff, because I think you can really you can really still impact lives. I really believe you can, even this day and age with NIL and the transfer portal, to get to do what I love to do, but still have an impact on guys that, man, when they call you or still come back, it, it just, you know, I, uh, Shane Bichelle was in the building last week. I got to coach here at SMU the first time I was here. He's just finished his rookie year with the Kansas City Chiefs. And just to get a big hug from him. And James Prochet came back after his second year with the Ravens. Coached him here by two years here. And to have those guys come back and just give you these big bear hugs and tell you how how happy they are you're here, happy they are to see you, and what an impact you had on their life. Shoot, they had a bigger impact on my life than I had on theirs, but that's the why. Hey, my thanks to Rhett Lashley for being so open as he enters his first season as a head coach in college football. His roster appears to be locked and loaded for a big season in the AAC. For our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brian Marcello. 